0: I'm Andy Irwin, and this is The Storytellers. My uh, my guest on today's episode is a dear friend. Uh, he's an actor and producer, a uh, musician that, that we really, really love and admire. I remember uh, when we were doing the movie, I Can Only Imagine, we were on set, and we had so much writing on that film, and it was something that that we had risked a lot on, and we were already three weeks into production, and we were trying to figure out who was gonna play Arthur, Uh, this father for Bart, the the main character, and just such a pivotal role in the film, needed to have gravitas, needed to be a household name. And uh, we had not been able to find the right one, and just, uh, it was a moving train where we were getting closer and closer to that day that we had to film. And uh, we, you know, I was a nervous wreck most days. And I remember I was on set one night, and I remember our producing partner, Kevin Downs, running onto the set with his cell phone in the air saying, I've got Dennis Quaid on the phone. And Dennis had read the script. He fell in love with the role. It was different than anything he had ever really played. And uh, we had a phone call, and a few days later he was flying to Oklahoma to do this, this role that became a, a really iconic role in his body of work, but also uh, you know, kind of launched what we do as storytellers. You know him from movies like The Right Stuff, The Rookie, The Parent Trap, uh, The Day After Tomorrow, and of course, I can only imagine, uh, he's kind of like our Michael Kane around here. I can't do a movie without this guy. Would you please welcome our first guest, Dennis Quaid? you yeah, Michael Caine. The Michael Kane The <laughs> non-British Michael Caine. See, we're from Alabama, so we keep it very blue-collar. Right? Yeah. yeah, That's awesome, man. Hey, you've been out doing uh, music this year. Your, uh, yeah. Your album quite came a bit. out. a Yes, my record
1: came out, my gospel record called Fallen, a gospel record for sinners. Hmm. But it's uh, five uh, five of the songs I wrote, and then um, I have a Chris Christopherson cover, Why Me, Lord, and the rest are hymns that I love growing up in the Baptist church.
0: I, I, I watched it, co- like you were texting me when it – was about to launch, and then it just it did really, really well. We were really pl- proud of you guys. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't believe it. Uh, the, I think
1: this is the first record I've ever put out that's uh, hit the charts. So that's awesome, man. It's kind of I'm kind of dumbfounded and uh, r- really grateful.
0: That's cool. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of that music started for us, you know, with you on I can only imagine, and I know music's been a part of your life for a long time. Well,
1: in fact, that's where this record started.
0: Did it? Yeah, because of being uh
1: uh On My Way to Heaven, the mm. song that uh you guys were very generous uh to include in the movie. Uh from that, Gaither approached me
0: about doing mm. a gospel record. You know, that was a pivotal moment in our career and you'd had several iconic movies before that, but for us that was a that was a big moment when you committed to it. Uh what made you say yes to that film? Like what was it that that drew you in and what makes you say yes to a film like that that It was the story.
1: That's the way it always kind of is with me uh, for the most part. But the story first, you know, when I read a script, that's the only time I get to be an audience member Hmm. with a first-time experience of that story. And so I thought there was just something about it said, you need to take this. Hmm. And uh, certainly uh, talking to you guys, um, you know, seal the deal on it. It just, you had an enthusiasm. And, you know, I just wanted to say and said yes
0: Huh. and dove in. You know, the thing that people don't realize is like, you know, we had such a short time together. Uh, uh, and they think, you know, you, we were making it for months together, but we had like eight days. Yeah. Kind of I space. think it was
1: it, physically, I was there for uh, including the fitting for the wardrobe, uh, the like 10.
0: Well, 13 days, like Yeah, it's like, like that. We, get, we get thrown into the middle of it. Yeah. And so it's kind of a trust fall for both of us. Yeah. You know, where it's like, you know, you're coming in hot and, you know, and we're these young punk filmmakers and we're trying to figure, <laughs> figure each other, <laughs> other out. And, and it's a, it's like an awkward first date at first where you're trying to figure out, like, you know, what makes this person tick? But as you and I were comparing notes, you know, there was that moment where we, we were trying to figure out who is this Arthur character. And you made the choice that hey, I feel like I'm going to play him like a shook up bottle of soda pop. That he, he's this guy that's been abusive and doesn't want to be anymore, and is trying to figure out a way out.
1: And you guys were great because we yeah. you get yeah, it's fantastic working with you guys because it was kind of a relentless search for the truth. Mm-hmm. You know, whatever it was, even if you didn't have words for it, you, mm-hmm. when you
0: it, it just when you see it, yeah, you, you know it's the truth. Yeah. Well, it was there was one moment like that that we kind of it's collaborative between between us. But like uh, the moment uh, uh, that was my favorite was when you're listening to the radio to your son sing, and you have the, you had that moment where you know we do the you know we show it as you're dying, and you lean forward and you, you kind of uh, kind of have this moment of realization as you hear your son sing, and it's kind of that flashback moment. Well, we had filmed it once, and you had kind of gone to this really beautiful, emotional place. And I said, cut. And I said, cut way too early. And uh, and then you just kind of composing yourself, you lean forward into the sunlight. And and then we said, okay, let's go move on to the next scene. You went back to your trailer. And my brother turned to me. He's like, that moment was magic, and we didn't get it on camera, where you lean forward. And he's like, can you go talk Dennis into coming back? And I I kind of, with some fear and trepidation, I was like, okay, let's... <laughs> <laughs> Dennis, he's you know, finally going to cry, you know, and this is right after we had you like destroy and beat up a car. So I'm like, oh, seeing the, the angry side. No, but I was like, I was like, Hey man, there's magic that we left on the floor. This moment when you lean forward, can we do one more take and then we just go there and you did it. And that one take is what made it into the film. It's one of my favorite, most honest moments with the character. Oh. And I think that's really where the redemption of Arthur takes place as you see that in his eyes. And the unsaid. So it was like, the other thing that happened that I was interesting as we got into it is when we found out you're, you're playing Cloris Leachman's son. in right. the Film. Right. And 1975, your very first uncredited role. Right. I found out was with Cloris. Yes.
1: Tell me about that. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, I had just been in LA for like two weeks in 1975. And, um, I went with my brother to a Jonathan Demme set. He was uh, filming a movie. It was called Crazy Mama, <laughs> and Donnie Most was in it from Happy Days, uh-huh. and uh, uh, and you know we're just standing around and and uh, I think it was mentioned. You know, I just got in there and I was going to be an actor or what. And, and Jonathan Demme says, "Oh yeah, you you want to like you you want to be in this." <laughs> so, like, yeah, sure. I'm going, sure, That's what I'm So, you know, I, I wound up playing a bell hop and, uh, <laughs> and about a week later, and, uh, you know, Caloris and, and uh, her family are, are checking into this, you know, they're outlaws and they're checking into the hotel and they pull a gun or something like that. And I held the line. Oh, my God. Oh, oh my gosh. Don't shoot me. <laughs> and I'm wearing a bellhop uniform, you know. <laughs> and of course, my line was uh, deleted. That way, they didn't have to pay me. That's funny because that was improvised. And, anyway, <laughs> you're trying
2: to squeeze it in there, <laughs> squeeze it. Yeah, you know,
1: But it did. So, I was, <laughs> it did. Uh, it did get me into the uh, L.A. uh Uh, Screen actors guild. That's amazing. Yeah,
0: (laughs) you're just like throwing out lights. Guy pulls the guy. He's like, "Oh, Don't shoot me! Uh, Don't
2: shoot me!"
1: (laughs) That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, this Jonathan Demme was
0: my first role. That's amazing. Well, like acting is kind of you know you know you you kind of caught that bug from your dad, right, buddy? Like, didn't he? Yeah, but he's kind of tell me yeah.
1: My dad was he was a frustrated actor and uh, you know, there was a, this family. I, I don't know if it was a true story or not. Tell you the truth. But uh, you know, he was in world war two. He was in, he was in Los Angeles, I think. And he was approached by, he looked a lot like Dana Andrews and he was mm. two talent scouts who, who were approached him about doing a screen test, but he had to ship out. So yeah, yeah you know, it never happened. So like I said, I don't know <laughs> if it's true or not, <laughs> but it, it, he would, you know, he put on, he wouldn't put on, it beat movies on TV or Laurel and Hardy. And he'd say, watch this, watch this actor, you know, uh, me on like William Holden. And, hmm. and, uh, you know, the, those great movies from like, you know, the thirties and the forties and fifties. And, uh, Also, my my cousin was Gene Autry.
0: I heard that. I thought that – I didn't know if that was true or not. Yeah, it was my
1: grandfather's first cousin, which made him my third. Huh. And uh, so we had that, that, you know, there was actually a member of the family who had gone out there and, you know, made it –
0: Huh. Gosh, he made it big. Yeah, he did. I I mean, mean, for his day. I mean, he was huge.
1: For his day, Gene Autry, as far uh, maybe uh, today's dollars uh, would be – the, probably the the uh, richest entertainer of all time. Huh. I met him. I met him at the opening of White Earp. He was there. Really?
0: Yeah. He was well into his nineties. Wow. What yeah. was that? What was that moment like? I mean, you're on White Earp. You're doing a western. Your relative, mm-hmm. your cousin, who's like you know western movie royalty, is yeah. there. Like, what was what, what what was that moment like to kind of connect? Uh, it, was it weird or? Was it was it?
1: yeah. It was a it was a little weird because you know you're related to this person, but you kind of you know distantly so, and you really kind of you know I'm kind of proud of that because I bring it up a lot. I'm <laughs> kind of, I guess, you know, I'm proud of it, that that uh, because he he was a very you know talented songwriter. And, yeah, and you know I'm a songwriter myself. I'm a songwriter actor, just like he was. Hmm. That's in your
0: blood. Yeah. So when when you decided, like, you know, Houston, Texas, you and your brother Randy decided to kind of chase this acting thing, like, when was that, like, that became, like, you know, a reality that, hey, this is something we're really going to do? And I, I heard a rumor that you auditioned for Dukes of Hazard back in the day? Yeah.
1: Well, it was really, you know, in when uh, we got to be teenagers. And uh, Randy was, you know, first, he was four years older. Yep. And he got into drama in high school. Sure. And uh, there was a teacher there, Mr. Pickett, at the high school. But by the time I got to high school, Mr. Pickett had moved on to the college. And Randy had followed him there. And I was going to be a veterinarian. That's what I was going to be. Really? Yeah. Uh, until Up until about 16. I mean, that's, I was going to go to Texas A&M, be an Aggie, and be a veterinarian. Huh. I still might be. It's not too late. Come you know? on, man. <laughs> You've yeah. Yeah. added careers yeah. to it. Yeah, I mean, so it's like- uh, and anyway, um, uh, but then uh, I, Randy, when I was in high school, I was in high school drama and really didn't, the teacher and I didn't get along at all. Uh-huh. And uh, Randy, they were coming through uh, casting – for the last picture show at the colleges. Randy was at University of Houston, (laughs) and that's where Mr. Pickett was. too. And he got a part. And then uh, that movie came out a year later, and uh, in the meantime, Peter Bogdanovich, the director, had Randy come out to L.A. and do a small part in What's Up, Doc? Wow. And, you know, he stayed. And it was kind of, I had an example that, you know, these things can
2: hmm.
1: you know, really happen. By this time, I, I didn't know. I was, besides being a veterinarian, I I thought maybe I'll be a forest ranger or something yeah. like that. Huh. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Huh. Uh, but then I got into Mr. Pickett's class in at U of H. And within a, a week, I knew what I wanted to do. With my life, you know, that's a gift for somebody 18, 19 years old. And it's because he presented acting as, it was like psychology, what makes people mm. tick, you mm. know, which I found really interesting. Wow. And uh, it, uh, it's really because of him, I think, more than anything that I, you know, decided that's what I want to do.
0: Mm. Do you remember the moment that it clicked for you? Like, like it's like, Huh. Like that's was it It just was the very
1: first class hmm. the very first class where he what really explained he you know he didn't like the term method but you know he it was it was I guess it was a method it was just basically uh, uh, a study of you know observing life hmm. and then uh, figuring out why somebody on the outside would there's got to be something on the inside that makes them hmm. that way.
0: So when you first started, when you started pursuing it, what was the moment where you first, somebody first noticed like the value in what you did, like, like, and you felt like kind of that discovery kind of <clears throat> moment.
1: Well, I got out to LA and um, I worked, you know, it was in place in, in university of Houston. I was there for two and a half years. A degree in trauma was not going to do me anything. Mm-hmm. So I went out there in 1975. I was almost 21. I sent out my picture and uh, it was a so-called resume to uh, to uh, Invented to, things like to that. every agency in town. You know, Screen Actors Guild had a list of the yeah. agencies. I sent, sent that and yeah, didn't even hear back from anybody. Hmm. And so I started uh, in Variety and. Uh, the Hollywood reporter in the back, there would be a section called films in the future about what was going to be going, which were go movies, you know, and they'd list who the director was and they would list who the casting director was mm. and the casting director. So I would just call the casting directors mm. uh, of all those movies mm-hmm. and ask, just ask for a basic interview, not for that movie, but just yeah anything, a general interview. And nine of them would say no, and one would say yes. And so, I uh, first interview I had, I basically kind of looked at my shoes and didn't know what to say. And um, so, I got better and better at doing interviews, you know. Hmm. And then, one of those, after about four months of that, one of those casting directors called it an agent who had turned me down already. And that's uh, so how I got an agent. And then about four months later, got a job nine thirty fifty five uh, It was about the day James D died mm-hmm. directed by James bridges and um then I you know I did a couple of drive-in movies, you know, about a year later, and uh, then along came breaking away and that's mm. that was about four years
0: in to being there and uh, that director had a pretty big Im- impact on you right? oh huge. Like that's where you really kind of tapped into acting.
1: Yeah. And at the same time that I went in to see uh Peter Yates. Yeah. Uh I had was in the process of auditioning for the Dukes of Hazard.
0: Huh. <laughs> Those two <laughs> together, huh? Yeah. <laughs> and you know, uh, John
1: Schneider was in my very first movie, so it all yeah. went back to Dukes of Hazard. In fact, I just saw it, John a couple of weeks ago. I love it. And uh get it was Well, what do you know they they offered me uh, the dukes of hazard there and was in with peter yates and i said you know i'd really you know i'd really like to do this but you know i'm being offered this this like series and it's Uh you know and um so i'm i'm sorry you know and uh he got I was on my way out and he got in the doorway and he said, you listen to me, young man, huh. you need to do this movie. You need to do it. Wow. And, and uh, he taught all four of us, mean, Dennis Christopher and, and Danny and, and Jackie Earl Haley. He taught us, he taught us film acting,
2: hmm.
1: you know, uh, right there. He was a great father figure hmm. to me. And, uh, after that movie came out, I mean, I couldn't believe it went to opening night. And there was a line around the block at the theater. Well, you know, I don't know how audiences, they smell things. Just like with our, uh-huh. with, I can only imagine. And um, it, uh, yeah, after that, things got easier. I didn't have to audition so much. I got,
0: started getting offers. Hmm. <laughs> like it's, I find it really kind of fascinating, kind of like those pivotal moments where you could have chosen to go one way or the other and like the different, completely different career that might've been going a completely different direction and choosing what you did and becoming a movie.
1: I mean, you know, maybe turning down Dukes of Hazzard was a mistake.
0: (laughs) You know, when you made that choice to do movies and then all of a sudden you're, you know, you're a prominent movie star You know, you do the right stuff and and there's, you know, all of a sudden you're kind of a a known commodity. What were some of the early challenges that came with the notoriety and the fame of going from being a a kid in Houston to all of a sudden being, you know, number one on a call sheet on a big, big movies?
1: Yeah, that's, you know, you learn, you learn uh, failure, uh, you know, from just watching people around you and stuff like, cause that, that's, that's what you get mostly as a, an actor is, or whatever. But you know, people don't teach how to be a success really, because it's kind of a, a, a rarer thing. And uh, yeah, I don't think I handled it too well at the, at the beginning. You know, I, um,
0: how old were you when, when it really kind of, I, I remember
1: the, it was after the breaking away came out and I was in New York for something. And some lady uh, in a pharmacy uh, drugstore with two kids recognized me and started, you know, <laughs> following me up, up and down the aisles. It was really uncomfortable you know, hmm. that I that uh, that was my first like uh, taste of that, and then you know it kind of grew, and grew and grew to the time that I was doing like Jerry Lee Lewis, yep. I uh you know you can call it your 15 minutes or whatever but there was 500 teenagers outside my trailer rocking my trailer and i had to have highway <laughs> patrol escort me to the set and you know to ripping my shirt off and stuff like that and you know people coming at you and you don't know if they have a, a weapon or
0: right whatever such a little paranoid it
1: gets it gets well it, it's it's kind of scary yeah it it's at first you know especially with that kind of heat that was around me and then of course i was you know i was on cocaine too so that you know ramps up yeah there is (laughs) (laughs) really good because you know that's kind of uh was not a good answer but i guess that was the way of uh kind of filling up that space you know that you know i was always kind of looking for um uh Something to fill up that hole that you know because even you know when you become a success that doesn't that doesn't really fill up that hole. Yeah. Mean, the only thing you've got is the only thing that fills up that that hole that we all have yeah. inside us because we're trying to measure up, you know, to uh, seeking after something you think is going to have all the answers uh, in life. Yeah. for you, and so you know you get. Drugs are a way of kind of like uh, filling that hole.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course, they never work. They work for the first five minutes. but Yeah. <laughs> yeah. After that. Yeah. yeah. I think the thing, the thing, is, the thing that's uh, fascinating and also a little bit disheartening is that idea of feeling like once you make it, then it, everything will be okay. I think it's kind of the American yeah. kind of sales pitch yeah but then when you do make it and you realize how fleeting those moments of success are mm-hmm. and it, it's a cool it's cool for a second but it doesn't fill the hole yeah like
1: the joy is in actually doing it when you're yeah. actually doing it i mean that's the way i look as far as uh success now you know after that it's uh you have no control over it you know doing a a movie or whatever and you know it uh Nobody remembers it anyway. I mean, I ask, you know, ask people, uh, hey, do you know who Tyrone Power is? <laughs> uh, no. Well, he was the Tom Cruise of the 40s, but okay. There is, com- is
0: no... Uh, complete side note. Tyrone Power, when my, when my grandfather received the Mill of Honor, he was the uh, pilot that piloted my grandfather's brother from Gua- to Guam to see him in the hospital oh really he was in the air force as power so i know who Tyrone power is okay nobody, nobody else does for a different reason nobody else does yeah the uh for for you i think the thing that's really exciting for me for you is like I, so i was i'm i'm going through the airport the other day and uh and i look up on the shelf and i see this people magazine and the cover has you on it with faith love and second chances yeah and i got a smile ear to ear because I've I've watched a lot of that going on in you, um, you know, over the past few years. Uh, talk to me a little bit about like what you've kind of discovered about yourself, your faith, uh, what really matters, uh, and kind of reconnecting with that. Especially, I know Laura has been your wife. Laura has been a big part of that. Um, what What does the idea of second chances and and faith mean to you at this point?
1: Oh, well, a lot more. I mean, you know. Second chances, I'd say like fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth chances sometimes yeah. in, in, in a lot of ways. It, uh, well, you know, I've already talked about, um, you know, cocaine and, uh, you know, back then I was always a seeker though. I was, you yeah. know, I, I loved, uh, church as, as, a boy and Sunday school. And, uh, then I, I got, got to be about 12, 13 and, uh I got disillusioned with uh, what I call churchianity or yeah, whatever. And right. it was um, that the life was not playing out what they were saying in church. Uh, even the people that were saying it, you know, I got into all kinds of things to, you know, fill that hole, whether it be relationships, whether it be uh, drugs, whether it be uh, success, you know, none of them really... Got there and it got to the point uh, that I had a band back in the '80s and uh, I uh, the we had a concert at the Hollywood Palace and and the record companies were there and we got a record deal that very night and we broke up in the in the dressing room after <laughs>
0: the show. <laughs> This, this, yeah this, you fulfilled all the cliches we, we did that's it's so like, great
1: just that movie the commitments <laughs> was there to, you know, I, and we were broken up and uh and uh went home and uh i had uh it we broke up because of me oh. because I, I was you know i just i wasn't there i wasn't present and you know it, uh, uh, my voice wasn't there because of you know my lifestyle and stuff and uh I went home and I had one of those white light experiences, you know, with huh. with Coke, I'd, I'd been like screaming at God basically, you know, to help me get off this stuff. God, you know, I'll never do it again. I swear. And you know, then the next mm-hmm. day, up, about four o'clock, I'd, I'd be right back there, you know, I'd go to work and I'd, you know, drew a line to get, go to work, you know, and, uh, it was just an awful thing. And, uh, I, um, but at this night I had a, what I call a white light experience. I saw myself dead or uh, in jail hmm. or losing everything that I had. Wow. It was very real to me. So I checked myself into rehab.
0: Wow. And it takes a lot of courage.
1: Well, it was back before they had swimming pools and room. service. <laughs> it was the basement of, you know, St. Yeah. John's yeah. <laughs> hospital. Wow. And, uh, so it was there for 30 days and I got it. And um, then, you know, got out, and that's when the real problem started because it was, you know, really, it destroys your nervous system, cocaine. And uh, you, so I was really kind of grinding my teeth to do everything I could to to stay away from it. And went to, was going to uh, meetings, you know, back then, uh, which are basically alcohol anonymous meetings. And I just did everything they said, hmm. and which, you know, now in in AA they said you have a spiritual problem is really hmm. what it is, and that's true, yeah, that's actually true. Um, but uh, I started meditating uh, again, and I went back uh, and read the Bible hmm. cover to cover. Wow. I'd done it when I was twenty, and I now I'm like. 38 and I read it cover to cover again and uh I read the Dhammapada I read the Bhagavad Gita and I read the Quran. and uh then I came back and read the Bible again and it was the red words of Jesus Hmm. that's what really struck me Hmm. were very real to me was what Jesus said and what Jesus did Hmm. and uh That's, that's, that was the start of my personal relationship.
0: I love that. Jesus. I love that. You know, for me, like the thing I like about you and we had a lot of cool conversations while we were making imagine and we've had over the years since, uh, becoming friends just about faith in general. And, um, the thing I like about your faith is it reminds me a lot of kind of a Johnny cash kind of faith. It's, it's got the. It's got the humanity and the rough edges to it. Uh, but it's very sincere and very authentic and very uh, uh, both things. It's 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 just it's blue collar. And um, and I remember us talking after Imagine just about that journey that you went on around the world to try to study all the other religions and when you came back to the Red Letters of Jesus. And it's like the conclusions that all those things were pointing to the same kind of creator guide that people yeah. really want to know. But it really is about... God sending Jesus to kind of explain how he wants to, you know his path to, to him and it's really about what are you going to do with that and that's really where kind of you're forced to kind of decide what to do with the red letters there's something really cool correct about that.
1: Yeah, that that's it exactly. I mean they all point yep at the same thing.
0: Yep.
1: That which has no words which is God. Jesus uh, actually has the answers hmm. to all that. It's, you know, that's, that then, but I, I, you know, I'd heard about having, you know, my mother used to tell me having a personal relationship, or, you know, Jesus, always, yeah, yeah, mom yeah. But, hmm. you know, and how do you explain that, you know, the two billion Chinese that are, you know, are they going to go to hell or because, yeah. and, you know, getting into, into kind of like, you know, these dead end arguments or whatever, but yeah, it was, <laughs> you're good at those. Yeah. yeah the earth is only 5,000 years old. Uh, and yeah. what about the dinosaurs? Well, uh, <laughs> but none of that matters. It, it's, uh, you know, I came to know what having a personal slowly or personal relationship with, uh, Jesus Christ was, hmm. and you know, like any relationship, it's something that grows, hmm. And grows and mm. grows. Sometimes feels distant. Mm. Comes back. It's um, at the same time. It's you know. It's it's who I am.
0: I love that. Uh, you seem to be. You know, just you know, we've been friends for about six years now, and uh, done a couple movies together. We're going to do a lot more. But you seem to be at a place where you're where you There's a lot of harmony between those portions of your life, whether it's, you know, your, you know, your relationship with, with your wife, your kids, your, your faith and your art, like with your music and your acting and producing, it seems like, you know, you really have kind of found this cool new season of your life.
1: It's been the easiest, most gratifying, uh, uh period of my life, actually happiest. You experience the wonderful feeling of being alive that was another way of, you know, Jesus said, uh, you know, kingdom of heaven is spread out on the earth and men do not see it. I think Jesus actually, actually is in his message besides heaven. uh, He came to tell us how to have heaven on earth.
0: For, for you uh, creatively, I mean, I've, I've always been fascinated that I think, you know, in the career path, in the kind of the short-sighted, you, you, there's, there's all these moments we experience that we think that this is the moment I'm going to hold on to and remember from my career. And it's more the test of time that mm-hmm. reveals like what, what things have you done over your body of work mm-hmm. that have impact or that, that have a special place in, in, in your memory. Like you've done a lot of iconic roles from, you know, the rookie, you know, to the parent trap, to, you know, there's all these movies that you've done that are beloved by audiences. What are the the moments in your career that have been like for you that you kind of go back to with fondness and your memories? Well,
1: the, the first one is the right stuff because it was so much a part of my boyhood. Yeah, you know, I grew up in Houston. They rolled uh, first grade. They rolled in the television set, uh, set with uh, Shepard going up to uh, orbit, and uh, the original seven astronauts. Gordo Cooper was my favorite. He was the youngest. And then you know, cut to twenty twenty eight, and they're you know the the novel comes out. Read the novel. Zip Zap, just like that. And Gordo was a great character. I wanted to, gosh, if I ever make a movie, I would love to play Gordo Cooper. And what do you know they're making a movie of it? And uh, <laughs> uh, That's awesome. And uh, went in and I got it. I couldn't believe I got it. Yep. And then it was nine months to shoot it. And it was like, I didn't want it to end. And uh, Jaeger was, Chuck Jaeger was on the set every day. Man. And uh, I got my... Lo and behold, Gordo Cooper lived three miles from me in, no in, the, in the valley in L.A. And uh, I I was the only one I got in touch with one of the astronauts, our, our astronauts, and uh, we became good friends. Huh. And um, he turned me on to uh, Budwallen Aviation over in uh, Van Nuys, and I got That's my pilot's str- license and learned wow. to fly from... You know, while we were making the movie, I had to do that on the slide.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't on the insurance writer? (laughs) That wasn't on the insurance writer. (laughs) In fact, you know, in fact... uh, (laughs) Oh, my gosh,
1: man. Phil Company and Caleb Dashnell, I mean, they finally found out that I was, you know, kind of learning to fly, but, you know... So we had this scene where Gordo's going to go up in a plane and we're shooting in an airport. And so, you know they had me they were in the back with a camera the director and the cinematographer and i was just supposed to taxi down you know down the uh taxiway hmm. they were getting uh shots of that so i just went onto the
2: runway and <laughs> And that's <laughs> how they found out that I was. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that I
1: was a full, uh, pilot. <laughs> that's awesome.
0: That's a, it's better to be a pilot than be an actor who thinks that they're a pilot. Yeah, like, you know. That's great. That's amazing. I love it. You know, one of the things that has fascinated me as well is like, you know, uh, I worked with uh, uh, I worked with John Voight. And Voight is just a legend. And uh, yeah, I worked with him too. Uh, uh, and, uh,
1: and gosh, what an actor. Oh, it just, just I mean, I would
0: watch the other actors forget their lines. Cause they would just be kind of leaning in what he was going to do next. But he played bear Bryant in one of our films. And, uh, and after it was over, he called me late one night. He's like, Andy it's Voight. And I'm like, yeah, what what you need, John? He's like, he's like, am I any good in the picture? If I'm no good, just cut me out, cut me out. And I'm like, John, if you, if, you, if you want to know if you're any good, just go ask your Oscar. You're amazing. And so, <laughs> yes, so yes, you know, and, and I think that and the, then he called me back another time and he's like, is this Andy Irwin? And I was like, yeah. And John, he's like, is this Andy Irwin, the movie mogul? And I'm like, I don't, I don't know, John. I'm just faking it till I make it. And he's like, that's it. And he's like, and he's like, that's the secret. And I said, I just don't want him to see him a fraud. He's like, never let him see. Never let him see. Right. And the idea of that imposter syndrome that never goes away.
1: Oh, yeah. It never goes away. I mean it was a jack Lorman. they asked him as he said they said, what's the secret of acting he says well if it it's about getting to the truth if you can be honest and tell the truth then you've that that's that's the key and if you can fake that you've really got something but uh <laughs> that's amazing it's you always feel like uh, a little bit of an imposter because you know we're playing games we're playing you know' where it's We're, you know, film acting and, you know, make believe we're making something out of nothing. Hmm. And certainly we're always trying to tell the truth. And what we do is important to, you know, people, because it's stories, you know, people need stories. The same thing as sitting around the fire when, you know, we were tribal and telling stories and, you know, what was an oral history. And now it's, it's, you know, these movies have, they have an effect on people. They certainly have had an effect on me. long before I was an actor doesn't mean that you're something important, (laughs) you know, uh, or, or anything like that. It's, uh, you you know, believe in your own PR or whatever, that uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a job like anything else for me. It's, 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 it's a really great job. It's a fantastic work. If you can get it, it (laughs) it really is. uh, It's to create something out of nothing. And, uh, you you know you go from one to the next, but it was you asked me before, but they the right stuff, and certainly like Parent Trap, which is like, um, you know that was the first movie after uh, I got clean of cocaine was you know it was about six the, years later. And wow, I, yeah, you know I thought once I got.
3: That was the one, fir- first one. Is that what you're Well, that you wasn't the, the first of, one. No,
1: I made I made a couple of other ones after the, that. It just wasn't significant, boom, boom, yeah. boom, you know, you just, I thought things would get better, but things got worse. Wow. You know, that's kind of the way God works. Yep. You gotta be careful about what you ask God <laughs> for because he just might give it to you. Huh. But he'll give it to you in some way that you didn't expect or yeah. that's like, you know, like, wait a minute, you know, uh I don't know if I signed up for this and um uh, you Know it just got harder for me, uh, yeah. Uh, you know, getting jobs and I waited for a year and that which turned into two, and then uh, uh, but along came uh, it was about you know, five, six years later, along came Parent Trap, and they kind of gave me you know, I'd been playing like bad boys and stuff yeah, yeah. like that, and it was you know, it was the first time I was like kind of playing a father, and huh. uh, it was a classic, it was just. Yeah. I, I love the movie for that. My kid that,
0: my kids my kids have recently discovered that movie uh on Disney Disney uh watching it and uh and like it, it reminded me like that was a period of time where you became America's dad for a season. Well, like it was like
1: uh, I guess I guess so. I mean I tell tell those people that are um, 30 something that, you know, I was your babysitter because you know, when he went to VH Not creepy at all. All the parents so and they put that thing on for the 40th time. I babysit them. And, uh, you know, of course, Lindsay too. And, uh, I, um, but the, the rookie came along and that, yeah. that movie was about second chances. And mm-hmm. it really reflected. Yep. My life at the time. It was a special one. And, uh, that, that's special. I can only imagine as, as, it's very special to me. I mean, because I began to see the effect that it had had on people. It's mm. very surprising me, the people that I wouldn't expect it to have that mm. effect on, you know? Yep. And um, it's, you know, reached a lot of people with uh, with a message in, in that film, you know,
0: that it broke down walls, that, that movie did. I think it it was interesting because we were part of a moment in time that, you know, was kind of bigger than all of us. But, you know, faith, when it came to movies, had been associated with kind of, you know, very fringe on the outside. And there was a moment in time where uh, we kind of, you know, there's a group of people that I think Imagine was a part of that conversation where faith became a very legitimized kind of subject to kind of delve into with story. Yeah. And it seems like it's now it, it's it's more of a non-issue. I, I think we began with this Jack. Yep.
1: Um, Soul Surfer to a certain extent.
0: Soul Surfer, extent, yeah. was a part of
1: it. And, you know, I remember we were doing the read-through for Soul Surfer. This, uh, we, everybody's there in Hawaii, you know, and the family's there, you know, and, Hamilton's and It was like the, all of a sudden the studio wanted to take out all the references to Jesus. Huh. And, it, and uh they were about to, like, I uh, just saw, I saw, looked over at the family, and they were just, and it, I just said, I said, well, if you're going to do that, I'm not, I'm, I'm not in the movie anymore because this is their story. Wow, man. This is their story, it, it, not just a, a story. And uh, I'm not going to be part of that because it's, you're taking out all the authenticity of these people. Huh. You're, ta- you're taking out their, their reason huh. for living. And uh, misrepresented and, you know, then it was back in, but,
0: uh, magically, (laughs) but, uh,
1: it's, um, well, you know, people at at that point were, people were embarrassed. Yeah. You know, kind of myself included to, uh, hesitant, embarrassed to really talk about your faith. um, get like, it you know, I'd wear a cross and my uncle would say why don't you wear that thing on the outside <laughs> <laughs> you know he's right you know uh-huh. where what, what you're hiding uh you know and um but uh it's it it took movies like like uh I can only imagine Jesus revolution it's like that's you know that's kind of the culmination of exactly mm. you know where where we're where we're going. You know those those movies. Yep. But uh, and uh, the production values them. Um, you know American Underdog, mm. and it's it becomes it, it. If that's a part of somebody's life, you know you're telling an authentic story. You're not just uh, mm. inserting faith into it. It's part of the authentic story.
0: I think I think a big part of that equation has been like the real life stories because if it's somebody's experience, it doesn't feel like propaganda. It feels like some something somebody's lived in. Yeah. And it kind of gives permission. I think there's been a discovery process. And then I think the other part of that has been like, I mean, I think you're a big part of that journey as well is it took, you know, legitimate, uh, you know, well-respected actors to finally step in and say, you know what, you know, let's up the game. And, uh, the product got better. I think a lot because of the people in front of the camera and,
1: well, and, and so- also the people behind the camera, the production, the production, uh, uh, values got better. I mean, you know, uh, the dir- directing and, you know, the, the way things, uh, it, they just got real professional, you know, and, uh, you guys were such a huge part of that, you know, coming along uh, and making that. I,
0: I'll pay you later for that
1: one. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's, it's the truth. Yeah, it's so, the truth. Yeah. You know, I think one of the first that I can remember was the shack uh-huh. that actually, yep. uh, you know, kind of brought things yep. into a mainstream into into that level. yep, And um, so, you know, it's.
0: It's been a fun journey. I mean, it's been yeah. exciting to be a part of and to kind of, you know, legitimize something, uh, and start a conversation for you. Like a few last questions. We'll wrap up for you. Like, uh, what, what stories, uh, early on, like what film really inspired you early on? Not that you were in, but that you saw. Cause I remember like Steven Spielberg talked about the first time he saw, um, uh, uh the greatest show on earth. Uh, he saw that film and he was like, He's like, that's what I want to do. And then he saw Lawrence of Arabia and almost quit. Cause he was like,
1: I can't never do that.
0: That's too hard. Well,
1: Lawrence of Arabia was the movie that I saw. That really? Just as, Yeah. It's as far It sticks with me as far as it's, I mean, it's so long too, but yeah. it's such, I remember seeing it as a kid and if it's on, I just, I cannot it not watch it. And it's, it comes back to the script with that. Huh. There's not a line in there that, that. It's superfluous. Yep, it, it it's it's almost a perfect movie. Yep, and uh, it's
0: it's so cinematic too. Just,
1: yeah, it's so cinematic. Yeah. And, uh, so it's. I think it's my favorite movie period.
0: Huh. That's amazing. Yeah,
1: and one of the reasons I wanted to be an actor. Huh. Yeah, you know, Marlon Brando, of course, was another big reason. Because you know when I was. When I was, you know, at U of H and stuff like, you know, it was Brando. You know, I think he would just come back with The Godfather, yep. Whatever. So everybody wanted to be Brando.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was. You know, he, he iconic roles for sure. Like for you, like why is story so important? Like what makes story so important?
1: Because I think that's why people go to the movies. In the end, people don't go to see things. People go to the movies to feel things, Hmm. and that's what you're left with, you know. Uh, And if the story is not there, I kind of feel like I got cheated, Hmm. you know, uh, in a way, or wasted my time. You know, I go to the movies when I was a kid, and I would walk out of there feeling like I was the protagonist. <laughs> I was John Wayne or Jimmy Stewart or uh you know or whoever it was. I was Toby Tyler and the, you know it's it's that's you know they inspire they, they do a much more than inform. They're they're they make you feel things. Mm.
0: For I mean, you've, you've worked with a lot of filmmakers, and there's a lot that's changed of the industry over the years, you know. Uh, but what, in your opinion, what makes what makes a really good storyteller? Like, what is it? What qualities make a good good storyteller?
2: Um,
1: the best the the best is a storyteller is one who can bring the conflict up to a point where a character has two impossible choices hmm. it's the lady or the tiger
2: huh.
1: it's you know that uh, so that makes one think what would I do
2: huh
1: you know with two impossible choices huh you know, if I push the button, like, you know, I will start World War three. But if I don't push the button, it'll, you know, the you know, the United States is going down. Yeah. So it's, uh, what do you do with that? Right. <laughs> that's, that's storytelling to me. Hmm. Stakes. Stakes. Yeah. You raise the stakes Huh. And, they, and that can be very small.
0: I love that. You know? what you, you you've you you've been acting for almost almost 50 years i mean even though you're perpetually 22 years old uh you know you've been acting almost 50 years like what's kept you what keeps you doing this uh storytelling
1: uh i love it now more than i did then because hmm. now i'm you know i'm not trying to get anywhere uh with it as far as you know to be you know big you know be the you know Further my success, or whatever. That's not really what it's all about. It's, uh, I do the things that appeal to me that I, I want to do, that I find, I find interesting to do. And so, I'm, you know, very lucky. I'm lucky to be around. Hmm. And, um, you know, you get older, you get different roles. That's the great thing about this mm-hmm. business. You know, you're not playing the same role over and over again you know it changes with life and uh i just love working with people creating something out of nothing i Uh, love it it's uh it's really quite a challenge and it's fun
0: that's awesome i you know for me for me as a young filmmaker um you know it was it was a pivotal moment for our development uh to work with you like because i i learned as much as a director is just something about you know working with a seasoned you know um actor that you can lean into them and like really kind of ask them like what they see and for me as a young filmmaker discovering things with you was so amazing that it was a real uh affirming moment for us of like oh we can we can do this job it was
1: the same way for me too really i learned a lot from working with you guys it was just for for one thing you, you were so open to um you were open to let's see what happens. You know, you you were open to the unknown. We were we were like we come up against something that was just like, how do we get from here to there? We're already here, and then it was whether it was a blocking thing or whatever, an improv deal, or mm. uh, it's an action or or whatever. It was, you you guys were so willing. Mm you know it was it was it was a freedom in that mm-hmm. and it gave it kind of the first time that that uh that that I had felt that kind of freedom mm-hmm. in, in working was was with you guys that's amazing yeah it was uh, i think we all fed off each other we did
0: and i think that's why like once there's a shorthand uh it's like well let's just get the band back together and do it again so that's yeah. why you know the the when, when we started talking about american underdog i like it was the easiest pitch in the world so i was like Dennis, i'll let you play the wife if you want just put on a dress <laughs> whatever you want this, this, what role do you want and i just i sent you a highlight reel, uh, reel of uh dick Vermeil, and i just said i think it's special when you know i think it's special when an icon plays an icon and i said i you know you know the what this is the role i was thinking but you just name it and there's just such a shorthand and you just looked at the the list of characters you're like i want this one and uh and the same goes with other movies that we've got coming up, like Fearless and Others. Like it's just like we just have this short end where it's like, let's just look for an excuse to work together because yeah. there's already a trust. Yeah. So, b- Bigger small.
1: please please ask me because I want to be a part of anything. Well, you, you do, you both of you guys and, and uh your company. it's just you uh you guys um you're so talented and you listen to your audiences. Thanks, you, you do you um uh, you you know your audiences and yeah you know, i uh that's a that's a, that's a, that's a big deal is like um because i've i've seen directors and worked with the directors who start to either get mad at their audience mm-hmm. or they just kind of lose track yep all right you know forget who you're making this for yep making it for an audience and uh I think it's a responsibility that goes with that, you know, because, um, uh, and, uh, and just ask me anytime, please. <laughs> Come on, sure man. my good luck. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, well, hey, same here. You're our Michael kane So it's, it's, uh, it's working. Don't, don't <laughs> fix it. If it ain't broke. All right. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you being on the show. It's really great to be here. Thanks, Andy. All right, buddy. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Storytellers. Uh, Loved uh, having our guest, Dennis Quaid, be in the studio with us. I I just love spending time with this guy. He's got so many great stories, and dang, that smile can light up a room. He, uh, uh, you know, I I think it was refreshing for me. I think the thing that I like is, you know, with storytellers and actors and artists that have been uh, in the game for a long time, and to realize, you know, there's this certain type of that it's still just, they have the joy uh, that we get to create and play pretend for a living. And that storyteller spirit and that idea that the imposter syndrome never goes away, uh, but just kind of that privilege that, uh, you know, that we get to create stuff like this for a living. I love that about Dennis, Uh, I have a great respect for him Uh, and to find out that he could have been Luke Duke on uh, Dukes Hazard. so. (laughs) It was pretty cool. I want to say thank you for listening and watching. God bless.
3: The Storytellers is a Kingdom Story Company production. It is produced by Nick Carey with production assistance from Ben and Justin Bailey. Our executive producers are Kevin Downs and Brandon Gregory. Social media for the show is run by the team at Troops and Allies, and our music is Twisted Rooster by Tommy Prophet. Special thanks to Jaron Weatherly, Evan Johnston, and our entire team at Kingdom Story Company. We have so many exciting guests coming up this season. To ensure you don't miss any of them, subscribe to the Storytellers for free on YouTube at Kingdom Story Company or wherever you listen to podcasts. For exclusive first looks at our upcoming films, behind-the-scenes content, and invitations to advanced screenings, join the conversation as a Kingdom Insider at KingdomStoryCompany.com. And follow us at Kingdom Story Company across all platforms. As always, thanks for joining Andrew Irwin and his friends on The Storytellers.